0: Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today, this Christian Education Sunday, is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, with an emphasis on these words. Jesus said, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, amen. According to the ADAA, that is the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, nearly 20% of the population of the United States of America is suffering from some kind or another of anxiety disorder. I want you to think on that for a moment. One in five of your neighbors is wrestling with anxiety. Maybe that neighbor is you. And not just the occasional over worrying, not just sweating the small stuff, but pervasive, insistent, and uncontrollable anxiety that should be treated medically or psychologically. Sadly, due to historic stigma surrounding mental illness, the ADAA goes on to report that only a third of those 20% of people mentioned actually seek any kind of treatment for their anxiety. Furthermore, studies have concluded that a full 3% of adults have developed a general anxiety disorder, while 7% wrestle with social anxiety disorder, Another 3% suffer from panic disorders. 1% meanwhile have obsessive compulsive disorder. And finally, another 4% live with post-traumatic stress disorder. Dear friends, that much disorder paints a rather bleak picture, doesn't it? Given those statistics, some of us here today may have balked this morning at Jesus' encouragement from Luke 12 when he says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. Don't be anxious. That's easier said than done, isn't it? Especially for that one in five person that we just noted. If we're not anxious about what we will eat or drink or wear, then we're anxious about any number of other things. A tense work environment or an upcoming deadline. We're anxious about our finances in a time of skyrocketing inflation. Some of us are anxious about a strained relationship with a loved one at home. Some of us are anxious about having stable, gainful employment. Still others are anxious about a health diagnosis, about legal trouble, about moving away from home for the first time, about starting a new year at school, or sports, or skeletons. I wasn't thinking about that one until you said it, Owen, but thank you for that. (laughs) Yet Jesus encourages us in spite of all these things. Do not be anxious about your life. Certainly the Lord who created us The Lord who sustains all things must know that our anxieties aren't like a light switch that we can flip off as soon as we're reminded. What is the encouragement in this passage for those among us who cannot control their worry, their fear, their anxiety, and their depression? Well, in the old days, some of you might have been told to suck it up or to get tough. Now, of course... We know this is extremely bad and harmful advice in this situation, so today we've replaced it with don't be afraid to seek help. This is much better, but we know that even professional help has its limits. Psychiatrists are only human, and they may give bad advice of their own. Friends and family, they may be quick to lend a sympathetic ear, but they might not always know exactly how to help. Prescription medicine is not perfect and it comes with its own risk, but that's not to say that any of these things are wrong or bad or should not be pursued, but in Luke 12, Jesus is offering us something more, something greater than any of the help that we can find in our fallen world. Jesus continues, consider the ravens, they neither reap nor sow, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do so small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these." But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will He clothe you, O you of little faith? Dear friends, I want you to note two very important things about what Jesus is telling us in this passage. First, that it is God and not you who is in control. God feeds the ravens, God clothes the lilies. You need not pick yourself up when you are anxious, but look only to Him. He will pick you up. This leads us to our second important snippet from this verse, and that is this, that the Lord provides for you. He who is in control of all things in heaven and on earth, He doesn't exercise that control selfishly or for His own personal gain. He is in control for you, his own dear child. All of those avenues of help that we just talked about, they are all extensions of his grace and his care for you. Now, in his wisdom, the God who is in control of all things, he has promised to give you what he knows that you need best. To illustrate this point Jesus gives us an example in our gospel reading for today, and that example is none other than King Solomon. Last week, we heard from the book of Ecclesiastes what I thought was a pretty anxious-sounding Solomon. For we heard his famous discourse that all the pursuits of man are but what? Vanity and a chasing after the wind. But there's another famous Solomon story that that most of you might remember from Sunday school or maybe some of our Sunday schoolers. You'll you'll hear it for the first time this year. What's, What's that story? Well, in 1 Kings chapter 3, God comes to Solomon in a dream. And he makes Solomon an offer to give him anything that he asked for because as God so loved his father David, so now God wanted to show that he loved Solomon. Anything that your heart desires. Think about what you might ask for. Armies, wealth, a long life. These were all in God's power to grant. But what did Solomon ask for? Well, he said, "'And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people.' Too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? Did you notice in that reading how, despite his great faith, Solomon's life was not a life free from worry or anxiety? Stepping into his father's rather outsized shoes, Solomon, the the young king, found himself seemingly unready or ill-equipped for a task so great as governing the nation of God's people, Israel. The task ahead seemed overwhelming to the youthful king, and so he did what we just saw our children do in our children's message. He carried his Worries and his cares to the Lord. He trusted in Him to deliver. And so in his prayer, he asked God for wisdom, but not just any old wisdom. Not to be a shrewd politician, not to be a savvy financier or a mighty warlord. Solomon asked to be able to discern good from evil. In other words, here he prayed. For the wisdom to lead according to the way that is good and pleasing to God. The God who created him. The God who blessed him and his father David. The God who seated him on his throne. And what was that God's response? He said... Because, Solomon, you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I will now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. God gave Solomon the desire of his prayer. And more than that, God also blessed his reign with all those things which he did not ask for as well. Now, though his life was not perfect nor easy, and though his wisdom would even eventually fail him later in life, the example that Solomon gives us in this passage is clear. Commend your anxious heart first to the Lord your God, and trust that he alone will provide the way to preserve you. But pastor, I hear you say, how can I do this? After all, I'm no Solomon. And that's right, you're not. But according to Jesus in our gospel reading today, you're better than Solomon. You're even more blessed than Solomon. Solomon, you see, trusted in the Lord, and he was arrayed in such splendor as no king of this world before or since him has ever seen. But even Solomon, in all his majesty, in all of his riches, in all of his glory, could not, according to Jesus, be compared even to one of the lilies of the field. He was nothing in the face of the majesty of God's creation. For God set in place the heavens and the earth. He established the limits of the seas and the skies. He moves mountains and plants forests. And at the wreath of all this divine majesty, the very crown jewel of creation, is you, his own dear child. Baptized into Christ, you have put on a garment of Far more splendid than anything which ever adorned those great kings of old. You have put on the robe of your Savior's righteousness. Righteousness which was credited to Solomon and Abraham and Enoch of old is now yours. It has become your inheritance. Consider today all the various cares and anxieties which so trouble your heart. Be they food or clothing, house or money, peers, politics, work and school, lay them all at the feet of your God. Cast your burdens on him who can bear them and who will preserve you steadfast in faith through every obstacle of this mortal life. Now today, as you likely have all observed once again, is Christian Education Sunday here at Faith. Today we take the opportunity to commit ourselves to a new season of hearing and learning the word of the Lord. We entrust ourselves and our children to his care as we go forth and receive the gifts that he gives freely by means of the gospel. Though this life may be filled with worries of all kinds, I urge you this Christian Ed Sunday, dear brothers and sisters, to pray that prayer of King Solomon. That by the teaching accomplished in this congregation, you may be given wisdom to know what is right and pleasing to God, even in the midst of trials and temptations of all kinds. For it is here in his holy church that the Lord equips you and feeds you. He establishes you as His own precious heritage. He adorns you in the splendor of His Son, crucified for the forgiveness of your sins. And He makes known to you the blessing and benefit of His salvation. Christian Ed Sunday is such a blessing to faith because it's a time where we can pause to magnify those blessings. The teaching that takes place here at faith It is different from the education which takes place in our schools and universities. For here, you do not learn knowledge simply for the sake of knowledge, nor do you aspire to graduate with honors at the top of your class or increase your heavenly earning potential. No. In opening the scriptures, in learning the catechism, in praying the prayers and singing the hymns, and in being in fellowship with one another in this place, You, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you array yourselves in that same wisdom which so preserved Solomon, that knowledge from God, which is profitable for your forgiveness, life, and salvation. I urge you, let this special Sunday in our church year serve to remind you that true wisdom is from the Lord, and that His name is glorified whenever and wherever you open His word together. In fact, the Bible tells us that the acts of praise and teaching are intrinsically tied together in this Christian faith. As the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 10, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they able to hear without someone, hi someone, is preaching? Worship and teaching, I want you to make a special note of this parable. The works of the Lord, his forgiveness and mercy, they are magnified in the proclamation of his word. To anxious hearts, he extends through the word this invitation, come, hear, and believe. Let not your hearts be troubled, Jesus says in John 14, believe in God and believe also in me. For by the knowledge of Christ's love shown to us on Calvary's cross, the anxious heart of man is finally given true and lasting peace. It is for this purpose that God has established his church on earth, that we need not worry about feeding ourselves. We need not worry about clothing ourselves or picking ourselves up. But that becoming part of his very body, we may be given all things needful. And by virtue of Christ crucified, we may be given abundantly. We may be arrayed like kings in the wisdom and knowledge of our God. And so today, as we wrestle with cares and worries of our jobs, of our health, our peers, our education, still... We come into this holy house to praise him from whom true wisdom flows. We praise him who made us. We praise him who redeemed us. We praise him who sustains us and who teaches us to sing of his love. Even Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, Guard and keep your hearts and minds in this same Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.